What's up, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Retro Encounter. As always, I am Josh Curry. With me is Mike Solosi. Hey, everybody. And Chris Kabauer. Hello, friends. We are here to talk chapters, or Acts 4 and 5 of Diablo 3. Act 4 being the final chapter of the final game, and then we'll get into a bunch of Reaper of Souls and how it made the game better. I think we can all agree on that. Um, yeah, and so last episode we talked about the first three acts. Now we'll wrap up everything and talk about how Diablo 3 turned into the behemoth of greatness that it is now. Yeah, it's really, really remarkable, uh, the differences between Vanilla Diablo 3 and Reaper of Souls Diablo 3. We went into it a little bit on the first podcast, talking about how the, uh, how the, sort of the format and difficulty modes changed, but there's still definitely more to talk about on that front. It's, uh, it's a totally different game now, and I would not be playing Diablo 3 regularly every couple months like I am now if it was still, you know, similar to the original <laughs> release. But thankfully, that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, my kind of slightly were arguing before we got this going about what there was to do after you finish the main, like the base game. Right. And I, and I was, I was just kind of saying, I was like, all right, well, I beat it on this difficulty. Turn difficulty up. Restart game. Turn difficulty up. Restart game. Yeah, wait, you're talking about original release or Reaper of Souls? Original, original. release. Oh, oh okay. I'm, I. I thought you were. I thought you were saying in that conversation before that there was nothing to do after you beat the game in Reaper of Souls. Oh no, <laughs> there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Too much. Yeah. To no, not too much. It was. It was just one of those <laughs> things that I. I didn't talk about this last episode. This is the only game that I have ever fallen asleep while playing a game. And I know that comes across as like, <laughs> oh, that that like that sounds terrible. It's so boring. Um, well, I would play to the point of literal exhaustion. <laughs> and then okay. I'd be I'd be like online in your chair. and somebody would be like Josh Josh I'm like what and like you you must fall asleep you were running into a corner I'm like oh okay. and you like wipe the sleep out of your eye and you just keep going okay uh, I, I'm not sure I've ever fallen asleep while playing Diablo three but I've fallen asleep while playing games plenty of times in the past but that's mostly because I you know it's two a.m. I'm I was in my late twenties or early thirties and I just should not be up at two a.m. <laughs> Oh, I, I've, <laughs> I, I fell asleep a couple weeks ago uh, in my bed playing um, uh, Trails of Cold Steel. Just and it's not because Trails of Cold Steel is bad; it's a great game. It's just, it's just I probably shouldn't have been playing it in my bed at two a.m. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I should just let the conversation go. Of Cold Steel. <laughs> Basically, I'm, just know an, I'm an old man that shouldn't play Vita games in bed. Is the problem. At 2 a.m. Possible. That's okay. Or maybe okay. just... Josh can't even play in chairs, so you're fine. That was a couch. Oh, okay, sorry. Couch. He fell asleep yeah. on his couch. Yeah. So, which which is... Chair is hard to fall asleep in, I feel like. You're up, you're... I think a recliner is, like, the easiest thing to fall asleep in. Well, then mm. you just know not to recline, though. But in a couch, mm. you just kind of... Sure. Slowly shimmer down into... Get really enveloped in the comfort, yeah. Yeah, it shimmered. Okay, that's an interesting choice of verb. But any, anyway, yeah, we both have problems sleeping playing video games. Me more than you. <laughs> uh, and uh, but Diablo three is exciting enough, at least in its current incarnation, that I it's not a game that I typically think of falling asleep to. No, no. But <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Act four. I mean, we left it off with Leah 
in that cutscene transforming mm-hmm. into the new Diablo. Right. And looking ever so badass. And then we show up in heaven. And it's awesome. And it's Wait. one of my favorite acts artistically. I love it, what they it, did with heaven. It's so cool. It's for sure my favorite act to play of base Diablo. Yep. I think Act 1 is still my favorite in base Diablo. Act 5 is my overall favorite, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get that in a couple but of I, I, I love the, um, uh, f- the idea of having Act 4 in heaven because it, it flips the script a little bit in... Both Diablo one and two chapter like the 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 last quarter of the game in Diablo one and Act four of Diablo two are in hell, and so it's and it's sort of a natural thing. You fight the you know the king of demons in hell or a hell dimension or whatever you want to call it, but in Diablo three they flip it a little bit and Diablo himself is invading heaven and Act four takes place in heaven, and it's uh really really like Chris mentioned, uh, stylistically interesting. It's a fun thematic switch. And to see the corruption of heaven, to go through levels that are slightly corrupted, and as you're going through the act, more and more demonic, is just a very fun kind of, like you said, transition with, instead of going through the hell forge like you are in Diablo 2, or just straight hell in Diablo 1, it's it's a really... It, it was. A, Especially with all the callbacks that exist in this game to the previous iterations, that was a fun change to the formula. And they do they do a good job with a lot of lore books and stuff like that to give people. Mm. Yep, you learn uh, all about the uh, lore. You learn all about the, the sin wars and mm. uh, and more about uh, heaven and hell in general in all of the lore in Act Four. And there's things like there's a there's tortured angels um, like chained to pillars. Yeah, yeah that you can save. And, Corrupted um, angels to fight, mm-hmm. and, so and you learn more about the Angiris Council, which uh, is you know has always been around in Diablo, even though you only really encounter Tyrael in Diablo one or two. Yeah, but, we get to meet, speak to, and hear about the rest of the council, except for uh, except for Malthael, who except for Malthael, uh, who shows who up next time. shows up a little <laughs> later. <laughs> but uh, actually, honestly, there was a there were enough um, there's enough lore about Malthael that you find um, scattered around. That in between Diablo three and Reaper of Souls, Malthael was a popular guest to be the uh, the boss in the expansion for even before the expansion was revealed, and they ended up being right uh, because he's there's enough good foreshadowing in that lore. It's it Act four and Diablo three is terrific. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Good pacing. It's not over long like I feel like Act two sometimes is for me. It doesn't go on forever. Act two and three felt slightly long to me, but Act four is uh, yeah. Act four is really yeah, really it's nice. a race to the finish. It's great. Yeah, and you're definitely you can feel that you're getting close to the end. And there's that extra excitement. Um, yeah, and then for me, when I was playing the first time, it was me finally being able to experience I get to fight Diablo. Um, and so I remember my first time through. Did you never finish Diablo one or two? I never even played them. Oh, no, I didn't oh. play them. Oh, you probably yeah. mentioned that, that, and I just forgot. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I'd always done it at friends' houses here or there. But it was just kind of mini experiences, but nothing substantial. Um, so this is like my first, like truly playing Diablo. Um, yeah, getting your chance at at the dude. And it, yeah. it's a hell of a boss encounter too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that kind of we mentioned this last time. Why I liked uh... shoot um... Act Two's boss. Yes, uh, thank you. Because there's phases. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, Belial. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
There we go. Um, and that's the same thing with Diablo. I, I remember just being so pissed. Cause I was like, all right, well, that was ridiculously easy. This is <laughs> this is really disappointing. Right. Um, and then you get sucked down, and it's like, all right, this this is going to be a real thing now. Um, it's it's still overall. I don't think it's a terribly difficult fight. Um, but they do kind of interesting things with the multi stages, having you fight yourself. Um, yeah, you fight a shadow version of yourself, you know, water temple style. Yeah, exactly. Slightly then, fixed uh, skills, right? It's not the skills you're using. It's it's just a no, certain it, skill set. It, no, it's yeah, it's a fixed skill set of the class you're using. Thank you. And it's yeah. um uh it, it's not really that challenging. I mean, I mean, it's 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 a longer, more drawn out fight than the first than the bosses in the first three acts. But uh, and it's it's definitely classic Diablo. Like, but like just like in Diablo one and two, Diablo has his you know terrifying lightning breath and his fire stomp, and he's yeah. very aggressive and charges around. He's not maybe not as aggressive in Di- as in Diablo two when he 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 when he's not when he's not doing his lightning or fire stuff. He's really going right after you. He's only just a, a hair less aggressive than Duriel, whose only move is to go right after you. Yeah. Um, but. It it's uh the Diablo four encounter is staged really well. I, I think that the sort of like Diablo the three. sorry yeah in Diablo three it's staged really well. Uh, I think that the sort of leaner silu- uh, silhouette of the Shiablo Liablo version of Diablo is, looks great, and um, and and the phases where you fight him in that shadow dimension and have to fight your clone, none of it feels like too much, and uh, but it's still a much more epic much more impactful encounter than the other three act bosses. Yeah, the so we didn't really talk about this I don't think last time. Uh Diablo 3 has an internal system of kind of challenges. And Yeah, we did mention a tiny bit, tiny bit at the end. Okay. You mean like uh, the achievement system? Yeah, the yeah. achievement system. Oh, okay, yeah, we we may we maybe briefly mentioned them but not didn't go into detail. And I I think we complained about this last time too that overall the bosses for the most part are, are really easy. Um, but the challenges or achievements attached to bosses make those encounters really, really interesting. Um, either beating them in a certain amount of time, beating them without taking damage, beating them without, like, uh, Diablo puts you in that kind of, like, lock prison, um, making sure that you don't get into the prison while you're fighting them. Um, and that, those elements make all the bosses better, but I think Diablo specifically then becomes much more hectic because... He is so aggressive, and then with the uh, the lock. What are we calling those chambers that you get locked in? Yeah, like those bone prisons. Yeah, there we go. I like mm. that better than. Um, so the bone prisons, like trying to go through, not getting damaged while not getting into that bone prison, while also tr- trying to beat Diablo in a certain amount of time, all of a sudden makes <laughs> an epic fight. You actually like. There's a lot of tension to it as well. But bone prison yeah. is a is a necromancer skill in Diablo yeah, too. But it's That's uh, but but uh, it. yeah, no, it 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 absolutely works. Yeah, it's it's an apt name. <laughs> um, but and but yo, know, Josh, you're right. I think I think almost every boss, if not every single one, and I mean that for the mid bosses and not just act bosses, have a have achievements surrounding them that yes do add a nice level of challenge. Like I know the butcher one is to never get hooked by his chain and never get touched never by his touch by, the fire. Yeah, yeah, his furnace fire stuff, and uh, yeah. and uh, most of them are. Like you said, avoid this and this attack, or uh, uh, or beat them at such and such difficulty. And I've done a lot of them, most mostly the difficulty ones, just because I've beaten all the bosses on higher difficulties. 
be, but uh, it it almost makes it um, it fe- it feels like an East boss or maybe even a uh, like a like a shoot 'em up boss like an Ikaruga something where it it makes you think of dodging and movement much more than just attacking. Yeah, when you're, just when you're, your damage in. Yeah, when when you're going for those achievements, and they're uh, they're fun to pursue definitely, and um, the and Blizzard is. They, you know, all of your achievements are very easy to track and visible on your profile. And some on the PC version, some uh, some achievements are seasonal, and uh, you get and you get extra bonuses if you can complete some of them. It's it's a well constructed achievement system, especially if you're a bit of a chivo hunter, like I can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Diablo and also by extension the Butcher, with how aggressive they are, it makes some of those much more difficult. Um... Yeah, and like as opposed to Asmodan, who um who moves around a little bit, but is mostly just cons- uh consent to stay in one place. Right, and, so you can and, just and, dump on them. Yeah, the whole and, time. And 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 well, and Asmodan has has like he has his red laser thing, and he has his uh his globe of destru- destruction um like three point shots, and uh and and I think he has achievements for avoiding those, but it's not he's not aggressive like Diablo. He doesn't chase no. you. No. Belial and, and Asmodan are much more telegraphed. I mean, I, I think all the bosses telegraph their moves, but for me, Belial and Asmodan are much easier to get away from and really predict and, and sidestep a lot of their mm-hmm. uh, their moveset, whereas with Diablo and, and the Butcher, a good deal of it's also environmental in terms of where certain attacks are coming from, like the furnace of the Butcher or the prisons at uh, as we're calling them for Diablo, I'm I'm not the best at dodging. You know, I'll I'll try to dodge his his area of effect moves, and then get caught in that for a little while, and you know, just get screwed. But yeah, and that's a, and that's a level of interest and challenge. Okay. Mm-hmm. It just makes it a lot more fun. There's more yeah. to take. There's more to take stock of with each encounter, and make sure you're not getting screwed by a little thing instead of just the obvious giant moves. And and I bring those up because that's what really became super super important to me after I beat it in its base vanilla form because like we kind of mentioned there wasn't much to do um and it it added like oh well i i remember the butcher fight like i'm gonna go back to this i'm going to do this now and then you'd replay that segment again and i'm like well now i'm gonna take this angle um and you do small tweaks to your character or at least you'd be tweaking your a play style and that was really at least for me that's where when you finish act four that's all that was left for me to do it's like the um, only real drive. Right. And, the, and then the only other thing I, I all of a sudden, I didn't even know about this until after I beat the game, I found out about Whimsyshire. And, right. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I need to get the staff of hurting. I need to go here, here, and here. And I just re, replay those acts continually until I finally got the elements I needed to build that. Um, yeah, but, um, but the staff of hurting stuff and the lack of endgame stuff is really only the vanilla version of Diablo 3. And you can't really play that anymore because even if you just buy regular Diablo 3 and connect it to Battle.net, it goes into Loot.0 and Diablo and Reaper of Souls, Souls sorry, Reaper of Souls, Reaper of Souls style <laughs> endgame. Right. Uh, but just with everything capped at level, uh, 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 I think, 60 instead of 70? Is that... Yeah, it was 60 at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so... Now it's... I'm I'm, I'm, mix, was, I'm mixing it up because I'm I'm playing Final Fantasy IV, uh, 14 recently and that started out capped at fifty and now is capped at sixty, <laughs> so the, the the ten level difference. Mixing too it up. many RPGs. You're you're officially part of many. the RPG family now that you've started that. It's and dude, it's good. We won't talk about that here. I'm I'm, I'm I like it so much. I think I want to do a bonus round on it in 2017 sometime. But it's uh that's yeah. a t- that's a talk for another time. Yeah, um, that's a game. 
<laughs> yeah, and so I, I guess but the, yeah, the with Winchester, it's weird because I never really did the staff of hurting when I played vanilla. Oh. I didn't. I knew it was a thing, but I was so so burnt out after that first playthrough. Yeah, I, I never did it either because I didn't really. I didn't start playing Diablo three in earnest until after Reaper of Souls came out. But it's. I think it's their version of the uh, um, of the cow king the, of, of the cow is. king's realm from uh, I, Diablo two. It's I that, and it, also a nod to everybody complaining when it first came out that it was art style too mm-hmm. cartoony. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and, and, it's, it's a and, super wonderful <laughs> in joke. Yeah, the, the, uh, I mean, like people were complaining that um, they saw a scene from I think early, like the middle of Act One when you go through the Highlands, mm-hmm. where which is basically sort of an, an open field, but it's not nighttime. You can see a little bit of water and light because it's you know you're it's an it's like a Highlands area during the daytime, and they were complaining that it wasn't dark and atmospheric enough. Which was ridiculous because Diablo three has pretty terrific art style. Yeah, it was. It was. It's more. It looks more like Warcraft three than it looked like Diablo two, and that that lack of art style differentiation for the series upset a bunch of people early on when it was just teaser trailers and uh, concept art. And and for another counter example, excuse me. And for another counter example. Uh, in both Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, Act 2 takes place during in uh, sort of a desert area. Mm-hmm. And in Diablo 2, you only really go through deserts and wastes and temples, and uh, I think briefly sewers. But in Diablo 3, there are still deserts and wastes and temples and sewers. But th- my favorite part of Diablo 3 Act 2 is when you go through this beautiful oasis. And oh. it's like, it's the only part of that... Uh, of that act that there's a lot of blue and green and color mm-hmm. and it's awesome and the I, the very idea that fans were mad that there's a, like parts of the game that are too bright and colorful is annoying because I, it's again my favorite part of act 2 is the bright colorful part of act 2 well it's the contrast it makes the darkers darker and you can say that it makes the brighters brighter but like no it specifically it makes the gore pop so much more. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think you, you have that tragic contrast of I'm in this like beautiful place and I'm still just murdering things. Um, yeah. But I, I think it gives you... like You can ramp up on darkness the whole time through and it can get very oppressing but at some point it gets very blah as well. And to emerge from that and have this kind of oasis like we've talked about I think it gets you so that when you go back into this dreary dungeon or you go into some sewers... It, that contrast actually accents what you're going through, whereas if you just stay dark the whole time, it, it gets very boring. That's I never understood that argument. Everybody was complaining about it, and that, that was one of those main things. Was like, I just could not fathom why and, people And also, were so upset. The, com- the complaints came from, like, uh, one video and a couple screenshots, which is... Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, and we even... I mean, the Diablo 3 fandom... Well, the Diablo fandom in general are are awful as a group. I mean they they complain they complained heavily about about the BlizzCon reveal recently. And like like people like people were people are saying on Reddit and on forums Diablo's dead, they Blizzard hates us when they're getting a bunch of cool free stuff and a necromancer. Which is so I mean I don't want to of course that I'm not this doesn't mean every Diablo fan is like that. But that's what it, I heard. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean, the, for the way the, for the fan base to react so negatively to things that I think almost all, universally make the game better and more interesting is 
a little frustrating. And uh, but and Josh is exactly right. Like if, if if the game is the same tone throughout and just gets darker, then the, then the scenes will bleed together, and it won't seem you know it 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 uh basically the lack of variety makes it less interesting. And in Diablo three, I think the uh, the greater visual variety makes it a lot more compelling. There's touchstones for us to talk about. I mean, imagine talking about this if it was the exact same environment every time. Like, so I'm talking about that dark sewerish castle basement dungeon. Oh, my favorite part of Act Two is the desert part. Oh, you mean every yeah. part? <laughs> yeah. And so it's one of those things. Like, all right, well, you have to be more exact than that. I'm like, well, I can't because that's literally how all of this looks. And so the variety <laughs> makes it, first of all, just better to experience, but also better to talk about. And I think. And it's kind of where this podcast has gone with some of these conversations. With Diablo, you can get so sidetracked on talking about the, the smallest element of it. Um, it is those moment-to-moment gameplay points. Uh, so to be able to discuss that, it, it, it's it's much more interesting if it's a dynamic kind of changing environment. Right. I mean, I completely agree. And that's why I remember when the game first came out, and I heard about something like Whimsy Shire. I thought it sounded awesome. I thought it sounded super funny. But until Reaper of Souls came out, I did not have the wherewithal or the desire to slog through and make it happen. The but only tragic God, thing I'd fun. say about Diablo 3, it's personally for me, is that I yeah. I played, out of my hours now, probably about 90% in vanilla Diablo. Um, and because I just put an exorbitant number of hours in, um, and so at some point I had to move on to other things. I couldn't just keep replaying it. Um, that's not to say I haven't played Reaper of Souls a bunch. I haven't done a bunch of the rifts, but just comparatively, I Diablo three to me still is kind of the vanilla th- like vanilla experience. I it's too bad. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, I feel a little fortunate in that that's not the case for me. I think. Uh, because I, without the Reaper of Souls content, I would not be playing Diablo three the way I am now, and uh, it's it, the game I love is the way it is now. So I'm yeah. I'm glad that that's sort of my signature experience with it. So what's actually go into what changed with Reaper of Souls? Right, we, um, but we went into it a, a bit in, a little bit before. The, the biggest change is just the formatting change from instead of re- replaying the game in higher difficulties, you set your own difficulty and can adventure. jump around to any, to any point you want. And adventure mode, which is basically throws away the story a little, which is you know a mode that you toggle when you, before you start playing, whether you want story right. mode or adventure mode. And adventure mode, basically, you are playing the story in whatever order you want. You're um, you're doing specific tasks, Bounties. which are uh, as called bounties, which are specific boss battles or specific um, or dungeon runs in specific parts of the game, collecting more rewards, finding more secrets, all it it's all terrific. Adventure adventure mode is um, adventure mode is how you play Diablo three today. Yeah, rifts are how you play Diablo three today. Right, and and well, rifts are um are also part of adme- adventure mode. They're not <laughs> they're not in story mode. They're adventure mode only, and they. Those are they're randomly generated super dungeons that you play that you uh, that have specific difficulty settings and um, and uh, and the speed the the difficulty rating and the speed at which you clear rifts are what is recorded and on Diablo 3's leaderboards today 
and that's uh, and and doing rifts, and all and also of course bigger rifts mean bigger rewards, and there's a lot of achie- say, there's a lot of achievements the, attached attached to rifts. R- rifts the better you are, are the terrific. bonuses you get. Yeah, yeah, there's such a wonderfully hyper specific tailored dungeon experience in terms of how you beat it, affecting what you get. Uh, then adding in the rune system, uh, being able to upgrade your runes is that that's only through greater key rifts, though, correct? Um, not 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 runes. Um, runes are runes. you know no runes are attached to skills in Diablo three, and they're and they were things that you fixed that's not what I items. Meant. Not, not the runes. No, no, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. no. You you mean um legendary gems? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's legendary gems. Right. There's about there's about twenty in the game, I think. Diablo two. Yeah, yeah. In Diablo three, there are legendary gems, and they are you can only fix them onto amulets and rings. But they give you really, really good, good bonuses. bonuses, and you have to bonuses. level and you level them up by um, completing a greater rift that is at a higher level than the gem you're upgrading. Yeah, it's uh, and and, and there's so a chance there's a scaling. Yeah, and there, there's a chance of failure that increases if you're not at a high enough rift, but it's. Ooh. But but that's only one end game customization thing. Like uh, yeah, exactly. The, these, it's only one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the bounties uh, drop special crafting items, and um, you use those crafting items to to make special crafted legendaries, and to and for recipes in Kanai's Cube, which I think we'll probably talk about soon, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There, and there's and the stuff that you can do with those is insane. Like um uh uh. I guess, should we talk about the cube now? I guess. Go ahead. Let's talk about Act Five because we we find it in Act. Okay. Five. Uh, well, no, no. Technically, you fi- technically, you find it in Act Three. Yeah. It's, yes. It's but, a, it's yeah. an adventure mode only special zone in Act Three. Yeah. Yes, but it's adventure mode only. That's what I meant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wait. You gotta wait till you beat the game before okay. you can get there. So, you so do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about the cube, the cube, or do we want to talk about Act Five? Act Five. That's what allows all this to happen. Okay. <laughs> I think You're Act so Five excited. is. I am excited. I think Act Five is the best is the best act in the game. It um yes, it has yes. tremendous visual interest. It's it's pretty long. It's I think it's maybe the longest act, although I'm not totally sure about that. And it um, felt like the longest act. Longest. But but there's so much lore and extras hidden in Act Five that it um it puts the other acts to shame. Like the uh, the first two segments of it take place in town areas in Westmarch. One that's uh, one town area that's being haunted by reapers and one that's uh, that's on fire and also being haunted by reapers. And also being haunted by reapers. <laughs> but I, we should mention a little bit. I'm going to talk about the story surrounding Act 5 briefly, a little bit. Is that okay with you guys? Sure, that's fine. Go ahead. Okay, so Act 4 ends... Act 4 ends, all of the demons are trapped in this black soul stone thing that Diablo used to give, give himself the power of all seven, when suddenly... Malthael, the angel that you've heard about in Act 4, but has been missing for several years, uh, appears, and is, instead of being a heavenly angel, he is now a dark-robed angel of death who can steal the souls of humans by just, just with a wave of his hand and turn them into reapers, which are these ghost-like being, beings that also harvest the souls of humans. And so, he's, so he takes the Black Soul Stone away from all of the... Uh, from Tyrael and his allies, and is... And he appears to be just killing and and killing as many humans as he can, 
and uh, his reasons are unclear at first, but it, it uh, eventually is clear that he's going to try and use a ton of human souls and the Black Soul Stone to simultaneously kill every single human on the in the world because he views humans who um, uh, as a bit of a blight that because. Be, because the demons can corrupt the humans and use the humans to return to life, and and also because the humans could possibly be a threat to the angels, he thinks he, should, he all humans should just be removed. So that's since humans are the children of both angels and demons, so yeah. they have demon demonic nature in them and all the rest of it. Yes, and the, he's the, the, the very... angel of wisdom, which is awesome. Yeah, he angel was the angel of wisdom. Angel of death. Yeah, it, yes, <laughs> exactly right. And the, the first humans were the children of angels and demons. Yes, indeed. And we maybe we mentioned this in the first podcast, but I don't remember. But um, but uh, demons. I'm, I'm sorry, humans that retain some of the powers of angel and demons are called nephilim, which are like superhumans that are capable of defeating angels or demons. And um, all of the player characters in Diablo three are nephilim, and it's implied that the player characters in Diablo one and two are also nephilim. But I don't think also they nephilim. say that anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, act act five. Is your go- you're in Westmarch, which is a sort of a, uh, uh, you know, um, sort of like a castle, uh, castle town kingdom area. You're su- you're fighting these ghostly things called Reapers, and the major stages are two town areas, a graveyard, a swamp, a bunch of temples, and then at the end you return to the hell area in Diablo Two called the Pandemonium Fortress. Yeah, it's awesome because Pandemonium Fortress was a fun location in uh, Diablo 2 for yeah. very little time, and then you get to go through it again, yeah, and they I... add more to it, how it's this constantly evolving space and everything else. And mm-hmm. yeah. So again, it's just fun little callbacks and revisits like they have throughout the series with Diablo 3. Yeah, uh, yeah, Diablo 3 is really respectful to the lore of Diablo 1 and 2. They're always revisiting it and re-examining it, and, um, and in a way that I almost always find satisfying. I, I still want to know what happened to the Diablo two cast, but we should we can talk about that a little later. But the uh, um, the pen every part of Act five is cool. The town areas have dozens of ran of semi random uh, like um, scenes to visit and homes to visit. There's a conspiracy to murder Westmarch's king by a couple of the nobles, and you can find conspirators' notes and also find the leader of the conspiracy in the around the middle part of Act five and uh, and and defeat them. There's uh, in the in the marsh area in the middle of Act Five, um, where you hunt down Adria, who had gone into hiding, uh, there's something like five or six temples um, for uh, for this uh, for a former king named Corvus, and you have to explore around the marsh and find runes to figure out which of the temples is the one that you need to go into, and the and in the false ones, the ones where Adria isn't hiding. There's uh, a bunch of secret bosses and secret areas and quests there, but yeah, most people don't even visit those because they're not the ones you're supposed to go into. There's there is more hidden content and side content in Act Five than in any other act, and part of it is because it was a standalone act added in Reaper of Souls. But also, it's just it, it feels like the most fully realized one, and it has a lot of cool stages and areas to go to. Even the even the sort of I mean the sort of boring graveyard stage in the first third of it has a lot of cool stuff in it too it's it, it's chock full of secrets and extras the environments are cool um the bosses are cool or at least Malthael and uh, and Urzael are cool I don't think Adria is that interesting as a boss but she's just more interesting lore wise because there's closure on the story from 
Yeah, and you just need to kill her. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, you're the player character. I mean, I use mine was the male demon hunter this time, but they are pissed at Adria. Yep. And and uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's it's made very clear that that Adria is gonna get hers. <laughs> she needs to die for the sake of, of everyone's mindset for all past, so that they don't hate themselves. Yeah. And that officially closes the door on every single character in Diablo One, because all of the player yeah. characters, all of the player characters, are corrupted by demons and fought as bosses in Diablo Two. All of the townspeople are shown are, town are shown member. dead, including Griswold, who's a zombie in Diablo Two, mm-hmm. and Adria and Deckard Cain both die in Diablo Three. So there's no one from Diablo One left alive anywhere. I like to think that. The guy who was bleeding out outside of the labyrinth, like who gave you the butcher quest, I like to think he lives somehow. I know he's split in half. I like and then to think when you that come f- to his corpse later, he doesn't answer. But I like to think he's alive somewhere. <laughs> I like to think that Farnum the drug, the drunk, managed to escape and is secretly the architect of <laughs> yeah, every Farnum single son. of every single evil plot in Diablo. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> like the if drunk the- soldier who ran away somehow becomes the ultimate evil. Farnum the drunk is the final boss of Diablo Four. Six boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the uh, it was nice to replay this now that there's been uh, some distance between all the changes, because which I, I still agree this is the best act, but at the time it seemed ridiculously good because on the console versions there wasn't continual updates, so to go from vanilla to Reaper. Change. There was yeah it will, you like you barely could fathom all the changes that were being made because um, yeah. they changed how some of the enemies were working they're changing how loot worked they changed how like there was just Leveled. so much there and then yeah you throw in the extra levels finally um, and then very shortly after that you got into um, Paragon right yeah, uh, yeah. in 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 loot 2.0 the change that came with the expansion um, once you level once you hit the cap of level 70 you gain extra experience in cult in paragon levels which you gain very quickly and uh paragon you can sp- and you spend points that you have in paragon levels towards uh towards small statistical upgrades like to critical hit percentage to different defenses it's it, it's mm-hmm. basically a second level system that has no cap i think the current highest paragon level in diablo 3 is some dude is like at 6000 or something crazy but my my total paragon level is like so large my total paragon levels around 500 i think I'd have to double check. It, um, wow! It's at uh, every time you play a season after the end of the season, all of your paragon levels that you earned in that season roll onto your non-seasonal stuff. So you, uh, hmm. e- even if you play seasons on PC, you're you're not losing experience on your main account by playing in the season. Right. Nice. And that's the cool thing about paragon levels is that it's for your whole account. So if right. you have multiple level seventy right. characters. You're leveling them all up in terms of their paragon level, except for your hardcore gives, characters. That's a separate account, kind it of. Also, just gives you a, a boost when you start a new character. Yeah, right. because all of a sudden you have seventy or whatever your paragon levels worth of stat yeah. point things to dish out. And it's sort of fun when the season ends. Um, the uh, the the season I played the longest was the one with my witch doctor, and when uh, the season was over, her two hundred fifty paragon levels or whatever. Uh, instantly rolled off onto my other characters, so it, it wasn't exactly 250 levels. I think they all gained like 90 levels or something because they go by experience oh, I lost points. Point for a second. Yeah, they they uh, go by experience points. 
and not uh and not paragon levels so but right. but but after the season ended mm-hmm. like all of my other characters suddenly gained about 100 levels which is nice which is a lot of fun to to deal with that's insanity yeah yeah, that's just yeah. a dream, just to all of a sudden show up, restart a new character, or have just a random character play up again and be like, you have 200 levels to dish out. Oh, thank you. <laughs> don't mind if I do. But for every season, you have to start from scratch, and you don't, uh, in the, in, in, you know, PC seasonal play, and then, uh, so everyone's on the same starting point. Starting playing field, yeah. Yeah, when they, when, you know, you start going for rift, for who can clear the, the highest rift the fastest. Right. That makes sense. I do like that they let you keep all those bonuses, though. That makes it fun. Yep. Keep on killing. See, that's the, and then now they're going to bring that to, to console space. I mean, Josh, it's like we were talking about. The stark difference between going from vanilla or even 2.0 into the Reaper of Souls update. Because I even played Diablo 3 when we didn't have Reaper of Souls on PS3. And just that change around was so huge. And there's still more coming. There's still more coming. It's nuts. Yeah, and we're I, behind from the PC crowd, but still, whatever. Yes. There's more, more. Just... I'm interested to see how it does because my knee-jerk reaction is it doesn't matter for the console crowd. Yeah, too little, um, too late, kind of thing. But at the same time, with kind of the additions that they're doing, with being able to play uh, older Diablo, like the whole like we talked about last time, where they're bringing all yeah, that in. Event, which I forgot about. And also with the Necromancer, I think it's enough to at least entice some of the crowd, but since we haven't had seasons for so long, it's, it's kind of died, it seemed like, on the console. I, I, I think, think it's going to bring back a lot of people. I, I think it, it might. Really do. I think it might be a cool idea if they came out with a new version. Like, the, uh, you know, you have the Ultimate Evil Edition was the uh, PS4, X- Xbox One mm-hmm. uh, edition that had all of the new content rolled in. If they do a new one that includes seasonal content and includes uh, the darkening of Tristram and includes the necromancer probably at the end of 2017 is when like fall 7 2017 would be the right time to release it if they did that if that would rekindle interest a little bit um, or, or they could have everything as a as a download update uh, with that as an option as well I think that would be a a pretty good way of handling it but the uh, yeah, um, it, I, I hope it's not too little too late because Reaper, Reaper of Souls was uh, what 2014. So, yeah. so, what, yeah. so when seasonal yep. content rolls over in 2017, three years is a long time, and it's unlikely that people have been playing the same Diablo three for three years and uh, and you know and, and are and are still there. There's a lot of games that come out in three years. I'll so, running limit. I haven't, and I love the game. <laughs> well, sure, and and the Diablo three on consoles done extremely well. I think the total sales of Diablo three are something insane. It's like over. It's like over yeah, twenty five million nuts. or thirty mil, thirty million across. But it's that's across five different uh, five different consoles, counting PC. Right. And so, they also yeah. have to double dip. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Some I'm, some people definitely well, double, double dip. dip. And it's. Uh, yeah, it it is it is wild how well it's done, and I think Blizzard is be, even though Diablo three is most is uh, hasn't had a new release in three years and doesn't have ongoing DLC like Hearthstone or Heroes of the Storm. Um, I think Blizzard is still trying to find where the tail is on Diablo three. When what what can they do to keep to have it stay relevant and stay a revenue stream for them? And I think that 
a bit of a new look Diablo 3 in 2017 with all this, these new changes rolling in and uh, seasons coming to consoles could be a shot in the arm, but hopefully it hasn't been too long for the fans. I don't. It should, I don't, it should be because when they introduced I, Kanai's Cube, uh, which came a little bit later to console and to, to PC, that did, uh, I guess, it didn't skyrocket the traffic, but it did increase traffic in terms of console players. So I think with every small update, there has they've seen consistent, I guess, returns in terms of people going, oh, there's something new to Diablo. I'll I'll put that in to see if it's still fun. Oh shoot, we we haven't talked about the Malfaila boss fight, and we haven't no, talked, we haven't talked about, about we haven't talked about Kanai's Cube either. What? Oh, there's so, so much. We're to really talk quickly. About. A lot. A lot. First, you post a question before we move on to that. Like, uh-huh. What would it take? I think Diablo Four is what it takes for console people to get back into it. I think they I think they need a new expansion and I think there's plenty really? that there, there, I think I think there's I, plenty that they could do to address that in the expansion. I, I think you're I think you're going the right direction of there has to be a physical something released and whether or not it is something that's expansion as big as Reaper of Souls so they can put a new box that states it out kind of like uh you look at Destiny where they have their big expansions and with that they have something physical that comes out with it. They did um, that for Street Fighter 4 as well. They did expansions yeah. for Super Arcade Edition then Ultra. And I, I think it takes something on that level, or you do a full Diablo 4 for console to be back into it. And that, I think that's the most disappointing mm. part about all this. I, I just don't I don't think it becomes a big deal. I think there will be a core select people that play it, but I think they were probably kind of messing around with Diablo 3 still anyways, here or there. And they just turn over to being more consistent players. I, I think the large audience, maybe they come in, Maybe they play the Necromancer, get them up to like 15 or 20. I think they try out some of the new content, and I think they're gone within a week. Uh, in a weird way, I think they're, that's kind of probably what they expect. I think yeah. most of the changes they make are for that PC crowd. And, oh, and then, like you said, let's say if, if, if 8 million unique copies were sold on consoles across the board, and of course I'm, I'm just throwing out random numbers, I'm sure this is so false, so, so, so false. <laughs> But let's say, I'm sure that if a tenth of those numbers are still playing strong, that's awesome to them. And if it brings back, let's say, a couple million more to just dip and buy the Necromancer, then that's a win. Like you said, even if they only go to level 15. So I I feel like they're not playing super long game with the console crowd here. I think it is just for the people who really care. Uh, if and anything, then, I think they're purchasing I'm sure that they're going to take whatever data from this. Exactly. They're going to take data and then just be like, here's whatever the next thing is. Whether it's Act yeah. 6, whether it's Diablo 4. When that comes around, we're going to find out that, oh, and this thing that we had been experimenting with, we've decided to make it even bigger or we're going to do more of it or whatever. Yeah, I, I think for just the console crowd, they're, they're buying goodwill. I think yeah. and the great thing now is with Overwatch, they're they're getting side benefits from that of this people understanding that Blizzard will to continue platform, not just a, a game. Right. They'll continue to give them content even long after its release. I, I think that's legitimately all they're getting by giving it to the console people. Yeah. I but let's 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 right. talk Malthael and let's talk this Kanai's Cube. Uh, uh let's do Malthael first. It's 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 a pretty terrific boss fight. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think yeah, he's the is. most challenging boss in the game, which is. I mean, the, none of the bosses are that it's challenging. Also so cool in design. Yeah, but yeah, he's really cool in design. He's agile. He zips around a lot. He has a lot of different moves that, um, that can cover the entire 
the entire board. He does he you know mm-hmm. towards the end. Whenever he leaves an area, he can sort of summon a mist that will deal huge damage to you if you walked through it. Obscene so, damage. So by the end of the so by the end of the fight, there's mist covering like two thirds of the screen. Um, he can uh, do moves that like uh, that uh, throw souls and blades around that cover up huge amounts of the screen. It's it's sort of like I mentioned uh, how. If you're going, if you're achievement hunting, dodging enemy moves can feel like you're in a shmup or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's some, with him, it actually feels like you're in it because he can kill you real fast if you're not dodging his stuff all the time. And uh, and and <laughs> he deals so much damage to you that there's actually uh, there's two healing pools on the left and right sides of the screen that you may need to use because he yeah. deals a lot of damage. And he, he's not a huge target. He's only a little bit bigger than the player character. But he's zipping around and filling the screen with all kinds of crap, and it's a he's a fun boss encounter. I think his size is one of the most interesting things because for the most part, all the bosses they do make them so monstrous. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they're all much the, bigger than you. In the it, for, even even the bosses that even the mid bosses are almost all huge compared to you. Yeah, and I always view this as like a game thing when uh, you actually get to a legitimate boss. And they're the same size as you. It's like, oh crap, this is gonna be terrible. It's like when you're playing uh, Devil May Cry three, and you're fighting all these <laughs> giant monsters that are way bigger than you, and you're zipping around their feet and stuff. But then yeah. when you get to one of the Virgil fights, he is just—he's your size, and he is more agile than you. And the hard part is even is is even getting to him and following him rather than uh, rather than getting your hits in. Well, yeah. it's one of those things they have to like instead of terrifying you by the spectacle. They have to terrify you by what they can actually do. Yeah, ability. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so then these just they have the worst abilities. They're just gonna destroy you. Um, and yeah, so I remember that too when I saw him. I was like, oh, well, this is he's so cute. He's so yeah, tiny. He, he's only a little taller than me. Yeah, yeah, and then he also absorbs the the black soul stone and then goes crazy. And you're like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah, um, absolutely. One thing that that's true for. Uh, Diablo and Malfail and, and less true for the other act bosses, uh, they both have really terrific death scenes. Because when you're fighting Diablo, for the last, like, 2% of his health, he actually sort of stumbles, and you just have to keep attacking him while he slowly, like, starts to explode, and you're just, it's just... Yep. Th- there's a real great feeling of, ah, oh, just kick your ass, Diablo! Just and, one more hit. And, uh... <laughs> and, uh... And it's a it's a really spectacular last like ten seconds of uh, of boss fight, and for Malthael, uh, it, it's not the same as Diablo. But when when you f- fight him, he has like a a really lengthy death scene where he where just uh, human souls start escaping his body, and uh, and eventually he just explodes in a bright rush of of, of souls. And also from a story's perspective. With the, him absorbing the Black Soul Stone and then dying, now the souls of all seven uh, evils are out there again, and right. Gen can potentially return to the world. So here you go. The crazy thing is franchise. moving forward. They always yep. do such a great job of being like, and it's all over. Yep. Nope. Is it? <laughs> well, at least with like the end of three is like, or is it the end of Reaper Souls? Like, there we're not even close to being done now. And also. Yeah, exactly. The very final scene of Reaper of Souls is what one of the, is what has me excited about ex- an expansion because the very last scene um, is uh, you, is you know Malthael's dead, Imperius Imperial, Imperius is the leader of the Angel Council, uh, 
are now looking at the the Nephilim in a new light is the language that they use yeah. and they and they realize oh wait and they make it sound super positive but some of the dialogue no it's it, the dialogue is 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 yeah, foreboding that's what I mean. it's not exactly yeah. it sounds positive at first like we look at him in a new light but the light is not wait just a, a second. man who can slay demons he's like but also that he can just doom everything and that yeah it's like he can slay demons yeah. he can slay demons <laughs> he can slay angels and maybe Malthael was right all along maybe we should have eliminated the humans from the we beginning should kill these humans that's why if, if and I, I guess I'm assuming they wait to the sequel um there's so many different directions they can go with that with all the evils out with now possibly the angels attacking you as well mm-hmm. it could be like a three-sided war going on which would be super interesting I, the the thing that I want from the Diablo franchise, I want the final moment of Diablo to be all of the angels are dead, all of the demons are dead, humans can finally live as humans without influence from heaven or hell. That that's what I that's what I want. I think I think the end game is humans destroying all the demons and all the angels. Which uh because they do a pretty good job in Diablo three, less so in Diablo two. In Diablo two they make it seem like Angels are strictly on the side of humans, but it's clear in the, from the lore and made more clear in Diablo three that really only Tyrael wanted to help the humans. I think maybe uh, uh, I think one of the other angels, the um, uh, yeah, there is one other angel, yeah, the angel of hope. What's her behalf. name? Um, Oriel. Uh, yeah, yeah yes. Tyrael and Oriel voted to help humans, while Imperius and Ethereal uh, voted. Vote against. Vo- voted against, and Malthael remained neutral. Stands, and, yeah. And then, uh, but so T- then Tyrael decides to help the humans in Diablo two, and in Diablo three, it's made clear that Tyrael is very pro-human, but uh, Imperius is not, and Malthael decides <laughs> to murder all the humans. So, <laughs> so it's it's clear that heaven and hell are two sides, and humans are caught in between. And I think that to have the the final ending of the franchise be humans are tired of being the battlefield in the, anymore and just want to be able to live as humans and wiping out heaven and hell, I think, I think that would be a satisfying ending. And the way that Diablo III Reaper of Souls ends, it, it's, it's clear that Tyrael and Imperius view the Nephilim as threats. And uh, both because demons have need yep. humans to... Potential to, threats. Yeah, because demons need humans to appear on Sanctuary. Sanctuary is the planet that the humans live on. And... Uh, and the humans are, could potentially wipe out angels. So I, I, if there's a new expansion, the, the things I want from it the most are addressing what happened to the rest of the Diablo 2 cast, because all we know is that the sorceress is dead. And, um, yep. and, and also uh, having humans finally go uh, like fight angels on their own turf is what, is what I want. But I don't know what will happen, if we'll get any of that. Yeah, that would be cool if we could have a Wanderer-type setup again. Have to be someone who's tried to take the soul stone, you know, inside them, like you do at the end of Diablo One. If it could end up just being like one of the heroes from Diablo Three ends up being some player king and just dominates the world for being Earth. the one who stopped, or it's a council of all, all the heroes who destroyed, you know, the great evils and now rule the world. And uh, you know, th- there's a there's a teaser in Diablo Three that made me think that would happen. Because if you uh, if you play the game as a wizard in Diablo in Diablo three in Act five you meet the ghost of the sorceress from Diablo two, mm-hmm. and you you also meet the ghosts of the uh, 
of the shopkeepers um, from the Act Four of Diablo Two, which is which was a surprise that I was oh, unexpected. Oh, nice! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I forget their name. Uh, one of them starts with a J and one starts with an H, but I forget their names. Yes. Um, uh, what do you need, champion? Yeah. What do you need, champion? But anyway, the uh, hail to you, champion. But anyway, it's. They mention if you at this last part of Act Five, if you talk to um, Lorath and Tyrael near uh, in the town, mm-hmm. Lorath mentions that there's something going on on Scovos, that and a, and a bunch of their agents disappeared. And Scovos, oh, really? right. Scovos is the island that, that the Amazons I forgot from. about them. So yeah. that made me think, oh man, are they going to do an expansion or a new quest in Scovos where you meet a bunch of Amazons? That that would be cool. So really like cool. it, that'd be cool. It, like I, what I really because I love Diablo two so much, and I like the idea of the Diablo one that all three Diablo characters are corrupted and are bosses in Diablo two. I want to see what happened to each Diablo two hero and have them either mentioned in the lore or explored in the lore or fought as bosses in Diablo three. I want that oh, a lot, and but I don't know if we'll ever fighting get it. a corrupted queen of the Amazons. That yeah, would be right. Or like, or uh, I don't know a. Because, because the, I mean, the the barbarians have it really rough in Diablo two. They uh, like, oh, yeah. their um, their their whole their um kingdom is like is a crater now. So the Diablo two barbarian coming back for revenge and having like the spirit of every barbarian ever inside of him or something would be a dope boss fight. That would be super cool. And I mean, That'd let's not even. And like, think about I mean, the necromancer. Yeah, right. <laughs> How many ways could they go with the necromancer? Because you meet one of like his... make it a mini horde battle. I think you meet one of well, you definitely meet one of his students in uh, in yeah. Diablo three. He's a he's a minor quest in Act two, and I think it's impl- I think that the necromancers that they're adding next year are two other students of the Diablo yes. two necromancer. They confirm they have that. to, right? Right, yeah. So that's there's so much cool they could there's so many cool things they could do. By revisiting Diablo lore, but I don't know how much of it we're getting. It, it's the future of Diablo is exciting to me, but I don't know how if Blizzard's gonna yeah, do anything. There's with too it. many angles they could take. There's so well, many listen, cool angles. Ugh. Just going back to what we talked which is about, because it didn't seem like they were gonna have that much, uh, that many uh, pathways to go. Sorry, Josh. No, it's fine. My bad. I, I think it was the BlizzCon episode we were talking about the shorts for Overwatch, mm, and right. one of the. the the nicest things about that is they're getting such a good reception, and I think they really enjoy doing those. I want to start seeing them use those, like that constant drip, for Diablo or for StarCraft or for uh, World of Warcraft, because there is so much lore to all of these games, and there's so many cool things, like elements they could be tying into Diablo, since we're talking about that, let's go this direction, of let's further show the strife that there is between angels and Nephilim, or let, let's okay. fill in back gaps where we've heard about these conversations, but let's actually see it. Um, and moving forward, as they r- ramp up to like a sequel or even another uh, huge expansion, they could have these really, really cool shorts like they've been doing for Overwatch that would really bridge the gap successfully and also build out this world. And I'm yeah, I mean, that would be really great. interested in that. We talked about it last time, but Blizzard does incredible uh, animated cutscenes in general, whether it be the short films or Just any, game. any of the beginning of the act videos for Diablo 3. I mean, Diablo 2 even had amazing ones. The, the one uh, that's Starcraft, at the, all of it. The one that's at the very end of Diablo 2, which if you play it with the expansion, is right is uh, 
between Act Four and Five, where the you realize yes. that, that you realize that the narrator of the whole story wasn't talking to Tyrael; he was talking to Bale in disguise. Oh, just gives, oh. just gave me chills watching. Oh, it's still good. It's still great. Blizzard, that and the Blizzard does terrific cinematics. The Wanderer. I love it so much. Yeah, they really do. And I think you're right. If they could do that for Diablo, that would be... Talk about a way to get people invested again. Just put out content like that. Remind people of the world. And then they'll just click on and go, you know what, I should put that game in because I miss it. Remind them. And that's the hardest thing is there's there's been no reminders for the console audience. Um, Yeah. And that's that's going back to our previous conversation. I just I'm not sure if no, totally. there's enough to bring people back. Um, yeah, and I, I, it's a good problem for them to have because I'm sure a lot of it is because of things like Overwatch. So yeah, I'm probably yes. not super upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're totally right. Um. So why don't oh, we? Uh, cube. It's the yeah, last main thing. Let's wrap is, up with Knife Cube. Right and. Kanai's Cube was something that they added in, I think, Season 3 on PC, and then it came to consoles a few weeks later, uh, last year. And yes. it, it really just ramps up the level of customization that you can do with your character in the Diablo 3 endgame. Because it's um, it's similar to the Roger Cube in Diablo 2, where you basically put th- you could put things into it to uh, upgrade them or or fix them, and it, it's, it has basically recipes that uh that in, can include anything from your I- weapons in your inventory to special crafting only items that you find in the in adventure mode but the stuff you can do with it is absolutely insane like um there's uh to you can take a legendary item which is you know a, a, def- a degree of rarity and basically um sacrifice it in the cube destroy it, but then have its powers equipped to you. You get three cubic powers to equip uh, to your character. One weapon, one armor, and one jewelry. So, like, if you, let, let's say there's, um, you have a weapon with a ter- with an awesome ability on it. Like, I, I have one that, uh, that, uh, um, I had a, a crossbow in this game that reduced the cooldown of the Spirit of Vengeance spell, which is a really awesome transform spell oh, yeah. by 50%. But it was it wasn't a very strong crossbow. It had it was a, the ra- the rolls on it were a little bit weak. So I I threw it in the cube, threw it with some crafting items and sacrificed it and let me equip that reduced cooldown 50% ability while having a stronger bow equipped. Which and you can do, awesome. It, it's awesome and you can do that with one armor, one weapon and one and one jewelry and and like when I did when I did the, um, when I used my um, witch doctor last year, which was the, again the the my best Diablo three character <laughs> ever, um, I was able to cube a ring that let me use uh, get a set bonus with five items instead of six, and then I cubed a and then I cubed a a witch doctor mask that gave me a, a really cool a really powerful uh, ability, and so I I equipped a witch doctor set everything but the mask. And so I was able to, you know, get the full bonus of the set with five items instead of six. And then I equipped a super powerful Witch Doctor mask. And then I cubed a second powerful Witch Doctor mask. And, and masks are where a lot of the where a lot of the strongest Witch Doctor abilities come from. So basically, with by exploiting cube stuff, I was able to equip the powers of three masks at once. And and That's so cool. It also lets you cool. upgrade a rare item to legendary. It lets you re-roll a legendary to make Just... it stronger. It lets you. Uh, Oh shoot! Just there's so much crazy crap that you can do to customize your character's equipment at the end of the game in Kanai's Cube that it is amazing. There's something like 
eight or nine specific functions it has. And it lets you tweak and tune your character to the nth degree, and I love it. So let me interject here, and I have a question for you, Chris. Do you do actually it. use Kanai's Cube? Oh, spoil, I do spoiler alert. Only... Yep. <laughs> I use Kanai's Cube. I... <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no way. I would have never thought. Uh, yes, for <laughs> my, I guess, for my main character, for the monk, I mm-hmm. have. And a little bit for my Crusader. But for everyone else, no. Because it's such endgame and uh, in a weird way, if when I'm playing Diablo right now, I'm just trying to platinum it on, on PS4. And I need to get one more character to level 70 to do that, or 60. I and... actually just got my uh, my final um, Demon Hunter achievement because I it was the only game yeah. I it was the only character I hadn't beaten the game with. Yeah, so so I... that's the, that's what I got to do with the wizard. Yes, that you know. was fun. So yeah, and so I I haven't fooled around with it much because of that since I haven't been doing as much endgame stuff anymore. But when I when the cube first came out, and like I said, that was a reason for me to jump back in last year. Mm-hmm. And there were certain items I'd held on to for certain classes that weren't as good as they should have been, but because they had those special legendary abilities that Mike's referring to, that when mm-hmm. you use the cube, it becomes. Uh, basically a passive power that you can just attach. Yeah. Like a separate skill set. That stuff, some of those abilities are just so cripplingly good and so powerful. And, and being, so there are items I've found that were even like level 5, level 8 items that I've now held on to because I know that power is going to be cripplingly good down the line if I use the cube. It's It, it adds so much because uh, being able to to gain abilities without having to have the item on your inventory opens up so many things. Yeah, it, it overly allows for customization at a level that's, that's kind and, of crazy. And especially since before, since, well, I mean, uh, the one exception being the Wailing Host set, I mean, sorry, the Legacy of Nightmares set, the Wailing Host is one of the items in it. Um, other than Legacy of Nightmares, which is a whole other realm, uh, almost every powerful uh, the build in Diablo 3 involves one of these six or seven set item sets. And with and with Kanai's cube, you can equip items that are you can equip a full set and also equip the powers of legendary items that would otherwise interfere with that set. And if you use the uh, the Ring of Royal Grandeur, that let that lets you um, get set bonuses from five items instead of six, which is some, an item I, that I referred to earlier. That opens up even more possibilities and le- basically allowing you to get the most out of a powerful set, but also. Um, use abilities from outside it. It, it is so the Kanai's cube is one of the most important additions since Reaper of Souls to Diablo three, in my opinion. I, th- I think it opens up customizations, customization hugely. And because I love tinkering with uh, characters and experimenting with new abilities, Kanai's cube opened that up hugely. I I love everything about it. So and interestingly, I, Josh, to your point, it's not necessary. To really get involved no, with it's at not. all, unless you're doing end game grift grift running. I'm sorry, grift or greater rift is it's slang. <laughs> unless you're doing a really advanced rift running, um, it's absolutely not necessary, and you can do a very very high rifts even without touching the cube if you don't want to. And I so I ask Chris, um, so I have never used the cube. Mm-hmm. I will I will make that confession um, because again, kind of like we were discussing earlier i i played a crap ton 
until they started releasing this stuff. And that was about the time they started releasing all this really cool stuff is about when I stopped. Um, and so when it came out, I went and got my cube. I looked at the cube and was like, that is really complex. Yeah. I've got my cube, though, so I'm going to stop now, basically. Um, <laughs> and then when I came back in for this run, it just it wasn't even remotely close to being necessary. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to kind of the conversation we have about console players. It's just it's a shame because I think a lot of that's wasted for them. So I'm, I'm happy to hear you actually use it. Yeah, I mean, but but to your point as well, not as much as I probably should if I was really invested in the game. Yeah. It's just more, it's a fun addition for me right now. And if when I, of the random times that my brother and I decide to play together or something like that, then then it comes into play because we're usually running uh, our first characters, my monk and his uh, wizard kind of thing. And yeah. But that's it, but that's it. That's the only case scenario where the cube's really ever been useful. The other issue I have is I'm a, like a person that collects everything. I guess a video game hoarder is a good example, like a good word for it. Um, I have every legendary that I've ever gotten, ever in, in this stash. game, in the stash. Um, and so, I like yeah. the the act of destroying <laughs> those, even though I know I'll never use any of them. <laughs> It, like, brings me crippling. physical pain. No, yeah. well, the thing is, it, it doesn't bother me as much, because when the, when I destroy an item in the stash and in the cube, it appears in the cube's menu. So it's it's right. not it's not gone. It just moves from my stash to the, cubes, to the cube item select screen. It's just in the digital cube sphere. I know. Something that doesn't actually but exist. The thing I, is, I, I, I'm not... I'm not right. exist before. I'm not bothered by hoarding anymore, because... You, if you play a lot of Diablo three, you get so many items and so much stuff that getting too attached to them is Im- impedes progress a little bit. So I, I, well, I, I understand that feeling, but I, I've had to, I've got, I've moved beyond those feelings playing Diablo three. Well, that's the ironic thing is I play lots of games where there's loot, and for my character, I never get attached to things, but I get oddly attached to certain items. In Diablo three, for some reason, all the legendary items. I think it's because I was playing back when the, it was almost yeah, impossible to get legendaries. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, I I'm oddly attached to these, and like, I know it's really really stupid because if if it was the difference between I could have this on my character or not, super simple choice. Best items always go in, and you'd think that would kind of correlate to like, all right, let's take these best items that I'm never going to use and make my character a hundred times better. And I just like, I can't do it. Um, I need an inter- intervention. <laughs> I get it. But what's cool to me is that the cube allows for you to actually hold on to a lot of that stuff much longer than I think is necessary because it could be a super cool early item. And again, you hold it, you get the cube, and now because of its amazing passive legendary ability, it, it has a use again instead of just sh- sitting there and being shiny. The Although cube, it wasn't the an official intervention, if an, if any, if anyone might be good for me. <laughs> if anyone plays Diablo <laughs> okay. three and goes into end game, I strongly recommend tinkering with the cube. It is so much fun. There's just so many uh, options. Yeah, that, that's so cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, we gotta fly up there and uh, intervene in your frozen tundra lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, and help you with your Diablo problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah that. Like, my Christmas miracle. There you go. Ooh. So I should be expecting <laughs> you the next couple of weeks, then. Yeah, right? Somehow i got to find a flight. Oh, God. What have I done? Um, <laughs> Diablo 3. Yay. So that's 
that's a lot of Diablo 3. The crazy thing is we actually didn't talk about everything. There's still... We forgot about the new NPC, the Mystic, that was added. Um, yeah, she lets you um, uh, basically improve individual items with enchantments and also change your appearance. And, like, basically you can... If you don't like how your character looks but don't want to change your equipment, you can cut. You can have any piece of equipment look like any other piece of equipment of the same type to customize it visually. It's really cool. Yeah, it is and cool. Mm-hmm. There's also Kadala, who the whole gambling service around the adventure mode that right. we didn't talk about. The, that's the I, I guess the kind of sum all this up is like Reaper of Souls added so much content. Yeah, we didn't talk about Rift bosses. We didn't yeah. go that deep into the six into the Crusader. The, or the other the six characters in general. There's so much stuff in right. Diablo three that there's no way we could cover it in two podcasts. Right. Oh yeah, we didn't even really talk about the Crusader, and I love that class. It, it's it's the sixth character, the sixth player character that they added to Diablo three. Just in oh, case, so just in case. Fun. I'm not. This is very unlikely, but maybe we have a listener that hasn't played Diablo three listening to this podcast. I yeah, don't. Be... I I don't know. But uh... <laughs> Crusader is a great first character if you've yes. played. Great solo character too. Yeah, yeah um, very defensive, a lot of survivability, and a lot of good area of effect stuff for uh, dealing with a lot of characters, enemies at once. Yeah, yeah and that I, I, th- I think that's the perfect way to explain it, though. There's just so much there. There's so much content. Um, and it's an atypical game for what we'd normally cover because we usually focus so much on story. Um, but this is just... Yeah, this is gameplay is king. Yep, and there's so much of it there. There's so much to experience. And there's so many different rabbit holes you can go down while experiencing Diablo 3. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, basically the the very base level of gameplay. The moment to moment stuff is is fun and has a ton of variety and a ton of potential. And I feel like as long as Blizzard services are service, you know, online services stay up, I'm going to be playing Diablo three for the foreseeable future. It, it, not nonstop. Like I did when I first started Reaper of Souls for a few months. I'll come back every but once yeah, in a while. I'll come back once or twice a year, play a new character, mess around with old characters, basically forever. This is my favorite loot RPG of all time, and I play a lot of loot RPGs. I put like I put like thirty hours into Sacred One. Jeez. Which I, to be fair, is one of the better Diablo clones. Sacred One is good. Gosh, Sacred Sacred Two is forever. not good. Sacred Two is not very good. Don't play that one. But Sacred One's pretty good. Where were you to warn me not to play Sacred Three? Oh, I I, heard, I didn't even I didn't even look at that. I was so disappointed in Sacred Two. I didn't even want to think about Three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sacred Josh, One's pretty good though. I put like <laughs> I, I tried. So disappointed. I, I, I played that thing for like 30 hours, and about around 20 of them were in uh, one battle mage character that I d- was uh, was like an I-, I had like an ice and lightning build that was really good. I, 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 I have like, no idea what we're talking about, but I want to be excited for you. <laughs> it's a game. It's a game. Like imagine <laughs> imagine Diablo being a sort of flimsy giant open world, and there's eight there's oh, okay. eight there's eight player characters, and All you right. can ride a tiger. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's an there's an uh, an angel and a demon starting character. There's a dwarf that can't ride horses and is jealous of people that do ride horses and he punches them. And he's pretty yep. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I like it. Yeah. I gotta check this out. <laughs> Sacred one, Sacred one is okay. Sacred two and three are bad. If you Sacred want it, it's real bad. But the, but the best Diablo co- Diablo clone is Torchlight two, and uh, yep. I I recommend that to anyone. That game's great. We talked about Torchlight in a little bit, in the previous podcast yeah. a little bit, I think. 
And they're great. They are great. I've only played the first one, but I love Torchlight 1. It's great, great, great. Um, but that's going to do it for our conversation about Diablo 3. Path I'm of Exile sure... is another good one, too. <laughs> yes, I'm Path sorry, of Exile is real good. Um, Titan maybe Quest. Maybe I all can right. convince Mike to do a bonus round in January when all this new content comes out. I have to twist his arm. <laughs> it is see. so hard to convince me to to talk about Diablo. It, it's just so challenging. Play. Mm. Uh, <laughs> as we've learned <laughs> <laughs> um, as always you guys can send your emails to retro at rpgfan.com um, you can go to our boards at our website and voice any of your thoughts any suggestions that you'd, of games you'd like us to cover um, and then please go to iTunes and give us a 5 star review with a wonderful comment uh, oh December or next month since you guys are always a month off. Um, I mean, okay, this this podcast is airing in December, but we are going to be playing games in December and posting episodes about them in January. But what games are those, Josh? Uh, So it's a roguelike month, um, kind of akin to what we did for the indie month. We're going to cover multiple games, because they're a little bit more bite-sized. We're going to be covering uh, Rogue Legacy and Binding of Isaac. Yes. So there'll be one-shots of each of them. People try to get through them in the time period that they have. Um, some of us have already beaten all of them, so we'll, it'll be fun conversations. It'll be a different type of genre than we usually cover, um, so it should be really interesting. But they're um, both great. They're really both, cheap. they're both really, really good. I um, I have not played much Binding of Isaac, but Rogue Legacy is super, super cool. I'm excited to hear you guys talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that'll do it for us here. I... Uh, Thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you come back in. Bye, friends.